going to continue our series today of the seven churches found in the book of Revelation. And today we're going to talk about this city, Thyatira, Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 through 29, if you want to get your Bibles out. It was a busy place. It's kind of like, uh, here's a busy place, a picture up here, of this place called White Castles. Anybody ever been to White Castles? Yeah. You know, trust me, if you're like, I don't know if I have or not. No, you'd know. <laughs> you would know. Thyatira is kind of like the White Castle of fast food restaurants, okay? It's, uh, uh, White Castle is a little bit different. Uh, Thyatira is not going to be the luxurious cities like we've talked about before uh, of Ephesus. and uh, uh, It's more of a, a worker city, Okay. Now, why did I bring up White Castle? Well, actually, uh, the city of Thyatira right now is in the country of Turkey, and that city still exists. It's now called Akisar, which in the Turkish language means White Castle. So that's where we're getting that from today. But for all intents and purposes, we're going to call the city Thyatira. It's over in Asia, Asia Minor. That's, now, listen, I probably might have showed you this map at the beginning of this series, but you can see all the cities, all seven. Uh, John's writing from Patmos down here, this island where he's in exile. Here's the seven cities, the seven churches that he's writing to, and it goes in a clockwise fashion, starting from Ephesus, where we began a few weeks ago. And now we're on Thyatira, which is more inland, and it has one road between Pergamum, which we talked about last week, and Sardis, which we'll talk about next week. It is a place of trade. Trade. Purple dye. We'll get to that in a second. Silver, wool, leather. It's the longest letter uh, that, that, that John writes, the words of Jesus, the largest, uh, longest letter to the smallest town population-wise. Uh, but because of all these trades that they had, uh, they had traders' guilds. <clears throat> Excuse me. And these guilds, they all looked to Apollo. Apollo, who, uh, of course, uh, a false god, one of the many gods, son of Zeus, he was the god of the guilds. Among other things, he was also the god of the sun. And each guild not only looked to Apollo, but also a specific god. Uh, that would be in, you know, the god of leather, or the god of purple dye, or so on and so forth. It almost became like a, a mafia or a gang mentality. Because if you had a trade, say you were a, a, a leather worker, and you weren't a part of this guild, nobody would shop there. No one would use your business. Now, why wouldn't the Christians be a part of these guilds? Because these guilds, again, of course, worshiping false gods, which as Christians we must not do. They would also have feasts that would have food sacrificed to idols, uh, sexual immoral practices that would go on at these feasts and that were required of these guilds, seduction. And like I said, you must be a part of that guild if you really wanted to be able to survive economically. Traders came in and out of this place, up and down the road in many different places. Purple dye, who do we think of when we talk about purple dye? We think of Lydia from the book of Acts, uh, the first known convert in Europe to Christianity. Of course, Paul found her down by the water, praying and baptized her that day. Lydia was a seller of, seller of purple dye and perhaps had even done well for herself. But if you look at the scriptures, you're going to find that they called her Lydia of Thyatira. And, of course, that all happened in Philippi. So what are these things going to have? They're going to have danger of sin, of temptation. People, 
in the church who are going to compromise their beliefs uh, for business interests, justified, if you will. And then, not only that, but also try to convince other Christians that what they were saying, that we can go ahead and do these feasts, we can go ahead and be a part of these guilds, it's okay. Convincing them just to justify their own conscience. It's a compromise of sin. It's being complacent with God's word. It's convenient Christianity, if you will, or a self-serving gospel. In other words, I'm going to be a Christian when it's convenient for me, but if it's not convenient for me, I'm not going to stand my ground. I'm going to back down real quick. I'm going to let this sin take over. I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, it's uh, not only compromise of complacency and convenient Christians, but it's also convincing others that you're right just to feel better about yourself and your disobedience. And we all know that committed Christians are going to suffer and be persecuted in many different ways in Thyatira because of this. They're going to, be, uh, they're going to suffer and be persecuted socially, emotionally, and economically. And this is the letter that Jesus is going to write to them. Because you're going to have some, of course, that are going to stand firm and stand strong. But so many others who are, who are perverting the gospel message in this city. So what is Christ going to see, say in this letter? Well, the first thing he's going to say, I am, I see, and I stand. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. This is an identity statement, if you will. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. Just saying who he is, reminding them. And again, he's, he's talking about things that are on these people's level. The fire, the bronze, the, remember they're traitors. Some of them had those kind of businesses. But first thing he says though is, I am, who? The son of God. Now this is important for many different reasons. Obviously to identify himself. This is who's sending this letter. This is who's saying these words. But also, let's not get confused about who the Son of God is compared to who they thought was the God of the Son, Apollo. See, the fact is, the Son of God is the God of all things. The sun, the moon, the ocean, the world, the universe. He didn't have a specific guild or a specific uh, heavenly body like the sun or the moon. He was the God of all. And that's who Jesus is going to identify himself here right away. Next thing he says, I see eyes like fire, penetrating, if you will. Now, guys, we know this for a fact. Many wives have penetrating, flaming eyes. We've seen it. We know it to be true. And usually we know why their eyes are penetrating us. But it's almost like if you've done something that you know you shouldn't have done. Uh, guys, maybe you left the toilet seat up. I don't know. Uh, something really, really bad like that. And you get those penetrating eyes. They know. And you know that they know. But all joking aside, these penetrating eyes like fire. Because the Lord knows. We hide nothing from him. Mankind, from the very beginning, we have thought that Jesus won't know. And like we talked about last week, in every letter, he tells us, I know. From the days of Adam and Eve, when they hid in the garden, thinking, oh, maybe if we just hide our sin, our disobedience. 
but God knows. Maybe if something that you have in your life that you're struggling with right now, maybe every person in your life doesn't know. But he knows. Maybe you've even convinced yourself and justified it and compromised and become a complacent, convenient Christian. But the Lord knows. And just like in Thyatira, his eyes, like fire, are penetrating and see all the way down to our soul. And that's what he tells them. Just in case you, O city of Thyatira, think that you are going to hide this, Jesus, penetrating eyes. What does he say next? I stand. I stand firm. Feet of bronze. Burnished bronze. That is a good sign to these people. Some of them being bronze workers, and if not, they know others that work in, in metal. They know how statues are built. And they know what this means because it means that the Lord is going to stand firm and strong. We know that he never changes yesterday, today, and forever. And neither does his word and neither does his promise. And here he is saying, I am standing firm and strong. And this isn't changing. No, we're not going to change and allow this. We're not going to justify you in going and worshiping the God of the the false god of the son Apollo, or any other guild, or be allowed to eat food sacrificed to idols, or be allowed to have sexual immorality in your life. Jesus, like bronze, standing firm, standing strong. And that's what his word needs to do in our lives. What is he saying here? Christ is immovable. He's showing his strength. He's showing his power. All in all, this first verse is saying, I am God. He wants them to know this is no bluff. I am God, and I am sending you this message. So let's look at what that message is. I know, I have, and I give. This is three slides long, so bear with me. Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 says this I know all the things you do I've seen your love your faith your service and your patient endurance you all know I love that patient endurance that we have to have it I can see your constant improvement in all these things but I have this complaint against you and this is where you gotta have if you're reading this letter if you're that church in Thyatira this is when you're like uh uh He really does see. It says, you are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil Deeds. Now, is this a, a legitimate, specific woman who has uh, gotten to this church and is telling these folks that, that these things are okay? Yeah, maybe, probably. I don't know 100% for sure, but there's definitely a lot of reference to Jezebel, and we'll get to that in just a minute. You've got to love the book of Revelation because it is going to point you back to so many things that we learn about in Sunday school from the Old Testament. And when we know those things and we've studied our Bible A lot of this is going to make a lot more sense. But he starts off with a little bit of a compliment. Because remember, when when Christ says, I know, 
It's not just, I know what you're doing wrong. It's also, I know what you're doing to serve me. I know what you're doing right. He knows. I know your service, your love, your faith, your patient endurance, and your improvements. Now, think about these things for a second. What would he say about you? Self-evaluate. What would the Lord say about my service, my love, my faith, my patient endurance, and my improvements? Okay, here's the facts. We've all got work to do. Improvements, I'll start at the bottom. We have got to constantly improve. We have always have to strive to do better, to know more, to be a better Christian all the way to the end. I believe that's our responsibility, to grow. And even if we mess up, to get back on track. Our service, the things that we do, are we doing it with love? Are we doing it faithfully? And are we standing firm with patient endurance? Now, have you ever worked hard for the Lord? Or maybe, maybe just in life, but specifically here today for the Lord. Have you ever worked hard at something and just had to wonder, is anybody even noticing? Now, I'm not talking about working hard so that people will notice. Because, look, that, then your, your, your motives are off talking about working hard for the Lord with, with service, with love, and with faith, and then sitting back and saying, I wonder, is this project not working? Is, is no one understanding my, my, the message, my example? Am I not having the right actions or attitude? It's hard sometimes. Maybe you even wonder about, about some of the things we do with our church, whether it's VBS or a ReadyFest or whatever the function may be where we're going to reach out to our community and try to share God's love. Here's, here's what i got to tell you. I promise you, it's noticed. Even if it's just from us within, it's noticed, but it's not. Our community notices. We're planting seeds every chance that we possibly can get, individually and as a church, and they notice. You would be shocked at the people that I talk to in this community or that might come into the office through the week that say something along the lines of, I used to go to your all's VBS. Or I sent my kid to your VBS when they were younger. Or whatever the case may be, and they learned about God there. I was blessed yesterday because I might have even had that feeling a little bit. I wonder if anybody noticed. And yesterday I went back to my 20th Year, high school, class reunion. And I know a lot of you right now are probably thinking, really, Mikey, we thought you were only like five years out of high school. No, I just look young, all right? <laughs> Went to my 20th year reunion, and so many people came up and said very encouraging things. Maybe it was a matter of, you know, uh, the, the church back home, Latonia Christian, hey, they gave us school supplies. Or, uh, you know, your dad did my grandma's funeral. It meant so much to me. Or your church supplied coats for our school one year. Guys, that same thing happens here, I promise you. But even with that, it was encouraging. Because here's people that I hadn't talked to in 20 years. And they noticed some service that was being done. And it is most certainly the same here in the community in Ohio County. When we work hard for the Lord, it is noticed. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't ever, ever, ever get down when it comes, get down on yourself 
or let, allow yourself to get down emotionally when it comes to serving God. Because even if no one ever comes because of any of these projects that we do, the Lord notices and he knows what we're trying to do. And he sees with penetrating eyes and he tells us to continue to stand firm. I say, good job, church, and keep it up. The Lord knows. What else? He says, I have. I have this against you, this complaint. And again, this is that uh-oh moment. Because every single one of us here today, and if you think this is wrong, you're fooling yourself. Every single one of us here today should be able to say, if the Lord says this to me, I pretty much know what's coming next. And if you don't, maybe self-evaluation just a little bit. I think the people of Thyatira, when they get to this point, they know what's coming next. He says, I have this complaint. And he mentions Jezebel. He says, you tolerate. You tolerate sin. You tolerate someone coming in, watering down the message, telling you sin is okay, convincing others, complacent, convenient Christians. And you're tolerating it. Now look, I'm not talking about... Uh, look, people, we, we are all sinners and we all need the Lord, and that's, I hope, why you're here today. I'm not saying that we need to kick out sinners right here and right now because if, if we're going to do that, we're going to have an empty church. And if you think that I'm wrong about that, you need to read your scriptures a little bit more close. What I am saying is that we can't say that sin is okay because. Sin's all right now because. Well, I don't want people not to come to my business. I don't want to be, not be a part of this, uh, this, this group, this social group. If we start tolerating that, if we start allowing someone to come in and say, this isn't a sin, I'm going to do it anyways, and not correct them, and then not only that, but then start convincing others, then we'd be in danger of doing what Thyatira did. They mentioned Jezebel. 1 Kings chapter 16 is where her story starts, I believe, verse 31. She's the wife of King Ahab, king of Israel. And old Ahab marries her. And what does she want to do? She wants to add Baal worship. She's going to bring in Asherah poles. She's going to bring in idols to, to Baal. Uh, the, the gods of fertility. False gods. Now, at first... She's not going to necessarily say, we're going to get rid of everything else and just bring this in. She's going to allow a little bit of both. But as it goes on, she's going to kill the Lord's prophets. And she's going to support and add over 450 Baal prophets, not to mention the Asherah prophets. We're talking about immorality. We're talking about evil. We're talking about seduction. We're talking about compromise. Now, this story is all during the life of Elijah. We're not going to get into him today. But this is their warning. This is their warning. You've allowed someone that's like Jezebel. And these people, they know the story of Jezebel. Well, just like Thyatira, today's church, we deal with compromise. And we deal with toleration of sin. When I talk about today's church, I'm not talking about just Hartford Christian Church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God from border to border. And guys, we have to set the example here with our own congregation, with our own church home, 
to not tolerate evil. And why? Because the Lord has penetrating eyes like fire, and he tells us to stand firm with feet of bronze. What else does he say? He knows what we've done. He has this against us, and he gives us. He most certainly gives us. He says, I give time to repent. That, that goes for the church in Thyatira. That goes for, for Jezebel of the Old Testament or Jezebel of Thyatira. That goes for you and for me. But folks, that time is drawing near when there won't be time to repent. Do not hesitate to turn away from sin and to turn back to God. Don't say, I'm going to wait until I get all this sin behind me and then I'm going to repent. Man, that's really testing faith. That's really testing that gift that we, get, we call the Holy Spirit and denying it. He's giving us time to repent. Let's take the opportunity today and make this a priority in your life every day to turn away from that sin and to turn back to God and to stay on that path of righteousness. Because really that question might be at this point, with that time to repent, how much longer will the Lord be patient with us? How much longer will the Lord wait for us to make sure that we have the right attitude, the right actions, and that our faith is on path? I can't tell you the answer to that. It could be five seconds from now. It could be 5,000 years from now. I don't know, and anybody else that pretends to know, they're guessing. Maybe they have good guesses. But what we know is we have to be ready today. Are you ready? Are you ready today? Each and every one of us right now, we should have that trust, that hope, that, that assurance in our heart that with the Lord, yes, I'm ready. But each and every one of us right now should also say, but can't I do more? Can't I do better? Can't I be on that path a little bit more, more straight? We must repent. It's not an option. It's not an if. We must. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about God the Father. We're talking about forgiveness. Look, I know you guys are the same. When I look to how I'm supposed to get to heaven and who I'm supposed to worship, I'm not looking. I don't, I don't worship Muhammad. I don't worship Buddha. I don't worship Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or Scientology. I worship Jesus Christ. And it's only him who can wash away your sins. Repent and turn towards him now. And what else does the Lord say? He says, I will, I am, I say. Revelation chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. Oh man, let me tell you something. If I get what I truly deserve, it's not good news. But when we appear before the throne of God with Jesus in our heart and by our side, it's through what he deserves that we receive victory and reward. He's going to bring some things, though. He says, I will bring judgment. We are blessed. Don't ever forget that. In our country today, freely worshiping God, we're blessed. In our community, Ohio County, Hartford, we're blessed. 
The state of Kentucky, we're blessed. As a church, we are blessed. I hope you realize that. Don't take it for granted. Whenever you start taking the Lord's blessings for granted, they might be taken away. Don't take it for granted, but instead work to serve him today. What else does he say? He says, I'm searching. I'm searching thoughts and thoughts and intentions, or maybe you can put down hearts and minds. What are you thinking about? Where's your heart at? Where's your motivation? And he says, hold on tight. The Lord says, I say, hold on tight. Christians who are faithful and trust. Hold on tight to your faith and your trust and your obedience. You can add that one in if you want. That's chapter 2, verse 26. And I'll stop here today and you can read the other verses uh, later on your own. But verse 26 says this. To all who overcome, who obey me to the very end. And then he's going to talk about the things he's going to give you. And what's he going to bring you? If you overcome, if you hold on tight to the very end, and you're obedient to the very end, what's he going to bring you? Victory. He's going to bring you victory. At the end in verse 28, 29, it talks about the morning star. I don't know exactly what it means. Just like last week, I wasn't exactly for sure what that white stone with the name on it meant. But here's what I'm going to say today. The morning star signals that the sun is rising again. Folks, he's coming back. Be ready. We can't overcome sin without the Son of God. So be ready today, because he will be back soon. Would you please bow with me for a word of prayer? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the victory that you give us through your Son, Jesus. Lord, help us to overcome temptation, those that might lead us astray. Lord, help us to overcome our doubts and our fears, but instead look to our faith and our trust in you. Lord, thank you so very much for being an all-powerful, mighty God who can see all, but who stands firm. Lord, help us to be immovable with our faith. Help us, Lord, knowing that you are God and that you are on our side, help us to have that strength, that power to stand firm. Lord, help us to repent, to turn away from whatever sin and temptation that we have in our lives, whatever seduction that we may have in our lives. Lord, help us to get away from it and to seek you instead. Lord, forgive us when we fall short. But thank you so very much for knowing when we're trying our hardest and for noticing. Lord, we don't want to tolerate evil. We don't want to tolerate sin. But yet, Lord, help us to reach out and to welcome sinners into a new life. Thank you so very much, Lord, for giving us that hope, that faith, that trust, that assurance that your son, he's coming back for us. Thank you. And that's why it's in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, his most awesome name that we now pray. Amen.